Today's episode is our October 2021 News You Can Use Roundup. Welcome to episode 19 of The Chatbook. I'm your host, Noah Stetzer. And I'm Ross White. Noah and I are the directors and editors at Bull City Press, which publishes chapbooks and sometimes full-length books of poetry, fiction, and nonfiction. We started this podcast to celebrate our love of chapbooks, to demystify the publishing process, and to share chapbook news and happenings. <laughs> spooky, spooky. We have no spookiness uh, on today's episode. We there, we don't have any good Halloween chapbooks. That's you know what that there's a hole in the market there. Someone needs to fill that immediately. Somebody's going to have to jump on it. Go ahead and get your Halloween chapbook together. Get all of your spooky stuff. You know, I bet it's not a hole in the market. I bet there's a good one out there, and we just don't know it. That's true. That's true. If there's a Halloween abecedarian out there, we're waiting for it. <laughs> oh, indeed. But we do have a lot of chapbooks out there that we do know about. Some things that have been sent to us by email, a few that have showed up in the mailbox here at Bull City Press headquarters. So thank you to all of those presses. Yeah, we're super excited to introduce some of these new chapbooks that we just got wind of. But please forgive us if we mispronounce your names. Uh, they are as new to us as perhaps they may be to some of our listeners. First up, I want to loop back around to a chapbook that came out earlier this year, but I've just gotten a hold of a copy. It's called Facing the Mirror, an Essay by Catherine Indermauer. It was published by Coast No Coast, I think back around July. Facing the Mirror, an Essay is a lyric meditation on gaze and reflection, exploring the ways that we see the self. This essay, like it, it reproduces the mirror image with a really clever linguistic device where each time someone looks in the mirror, their gaze is represented by repeating the pronoun that's being referred to with a, a vertical bar. You know that, you know, that mm -hmm. typographical symbol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I researched, like what to even call that typographical symbol, I discovered that while in this collection, it reads as the physical mirror. Mm -hmm. One of the most common uses of that symbol is from mathematics, where it represents the Sheffer stroke, which in logic and calculus stands for not both. Hmm. So as I read this collection, you're you're like constantly seeing a form of doubleness, but it's always haunted now by negation when I read that. And I think you're going to hear that at play in this excerpt. Noah, will you read this excerpt for us? Is that cool? Sure, I'd be happy to, yeah. The Palace of Versailles Hall of Mirrors contains 357 mirrors bedecking 17 arches. Each arch contains 21 mirrors arranged like window panes so as to reflect the palace gardens to bring the outer world in as light. In 1684, such mirrors were a great luxury. Luxury from the Latin luxus, meaning abundance, sumptuous enjoyment. Luxus from lux, meaning light. In the Hall of Mirrors, restorers chose to leave two etched names in the glass. Vandalize, from the Latin vandalis, meaning destroy, deface, harm, but originally meaning wander. I, I deface by looking away. Deface, from face, which comes from the Latin facere, meaning to make. Also the root of fashion also the root of fact, the face, something I, I make my self deface to unmake. Next up, we got word from chapbook press Ursus Americanus that they're currently working on a collaboration between the poet Amy Zimmerman and artist Samantha Wall. 
We couldn't get a peek by the time we recorded this episode, but we wanted to let y'all know about this up and coming publisher. Make sure that you head over to their website and check them out. Another up and coming publisher you can check out is Gasher Journal and Gasher Press, founded in 2018 by poet Whitney Carudis. And they've got a couple of chaps. We're going we're gonna to try to get some of their authors on the show fairly soon. But one of their newest chaps is Donuts in Space by Jerrica Taylor. So check that one out as well. So Hunger Journal has announced their pick for this year's Tiny Fork Chapbook Series Contest. Congrats go out to authors. And forgive me if I mispronounced your names. Jabalil Mikkel Malifi, Jeremy Pulmano, and Hannah Landsberger. Follow the Hunger Journal link in the show notes so you can get the details on each of these writers. And when you're there, definitely take a look at Brian Oliu and Jason McCall's collaborative chapbook, What Shot Did You Ever Take? Back in episode 14, we mentioned that Black Lawrence had a new chap from Chelsea Stickle called Breaking Points. We've got an arc of that one. Noah, what do you think? Oh, I really like the look of this. Um, I had a chance, you know, when I first get a chat book, I, I've actually, when I get through any, any book, I flip through the pages to get a sense of, of what I'm getting into. And one of the things that immediately struck me is that although there are, you know, the typical type typography you would see in a, in a book of flash, there's also short pieces that use like the flow chart form and another piece that takes on the shape of a multiple choice quiz. And then there's another one that looks like the steps in a recipe. We are suckers for prose that takes inventive forms, aren't we? I mean, like... Absolutely, yes. I wonder, Noah, if you would read an excerpt from How to Make Stock with Thanksgiving Leftovers, which is definitely more than just a simple recipe. And you know what? I, I bet you can find an excerpt that feels a little Halloween-y, even though we promise no spooks and scares in this episode. <laughs> well, I'll do my best. Let me read you step number three. Number three bag all the bones. Don't call anyone a bag of bones. If you struggle to get the entire chest cavity in, don't be afraid to crush the ribs. Enjoy the light snaps. Ignore your relatives as they watch horrified as your forearms and stomach get sprayed with meat, fat, and viscera. Reality makes them queasy. Okay, I am a little spooked out at the glee with which you just said, don't be afraid to crush the ribs. I really love this chapbook, and I hope you guys uh, follow the link in the show notes to find out more about it. October may be Halloween season, but it's also chapbook Christmas this year because I just got the box set that I look forward to every year. Kwame Dawes and Chris Abani have assembled 13 chapbooks in new generation African poets a chapbook box set, Nane. This is the eighth entry in the set, which has produced some of my favorite chapbooks over the past few years. I'm still working my way through this year's set. I may have more to say soon, but I've already read a pair of like just total stunners. Sara El Kamel's Field of No Justice is amazing. Kolawole Samuel Adebayo's Invocation. That one is also excellent. You can get this box set at a discount by ordering directly from Brooklyn's Akashic Books. You will not find a much better value in the chapbook world. If you are like, you know what? I want a bunch of chapbooks, but I just I don't have a lot of coin. Go in with a couple friends, split these bad boys up, trade them around. This is a, a killer box set. Here's an excerpt from the title poem from Field of No Justice read by its author, Sara El Kamel. Field of no justice. 
Though they will be reborn each morning with the sun, the dead remain obsessed with the image of a single rose by a crocodile's open mouth. A wail from the corner of the room usurps the room. Give me a mouth, I want to talk, said the dead woman to the scale. The heart on the scale is the heart of a sparrow. My heart is the heart of a sparrow. The sparrow was unremarkable, I cannot give you her name. When I fell, she switched my heart for hers. Mine was a clay heart the size of the sun. Ask the sun, just ask the sun. Okay, last but not least, our very own Ross White has a new chapbook coming from Unicorn Press on November 1st. It's called Valley of Want. Congratulations, Ross. Why, thank you. I'm very excited about this little bad boy. It'll be out in hardcover on November 1st. It'll be out in softcover later in the spring. But you know what? Who who has hardcover chapbooks? Well, you're about to if you go to unicorn-press.org and grab one of these bad boys. All right, we've got some chapbook contest info for you. Tupelo is holding their annual Sunken Garden Poetry Prize. The deadline is October 30th. There's a fee for this one, and it comes with a $1,000 prize. The judge this year is Kamiko Han. A previous winner was Salat by Duji Tahat, which was selected by Cornelius Edie and is a real stunner. I would be remiss if I did not plug for the Beloit Poetry Journal. They are open for the Chad Walsh Chapbook Series. I serve on the foundation board for the Beloit Poetry Journal, and I love the journal, the chapbook series that Jessica Jacobs works so hard on, has been putting out just unreal chapbooks. A Net to Catch My Body and It's Weaving by Katie Ferris was the most recent winner, and that will absolutely blow your mind. This one does have a fee, but it's got a $2,500 prize. And when you pay the submission fee, you can purchase a discounted one-year subscription to the journal. I mean, that just seems like a no-brainer to me because you absolutely should be subscribed to Beloit Poetry Journal. And we want to remind you that the contests from Black Lawrence and Seven Kitchens that we mentioned in last month's News You Can Use are both closing at the end of this month. So if you missed those announcements, you can find the links in those con- for those contests in the show notes for the previous episode. That's episode 14. You just plugged my book, Noah, and now we're plugging a Bull City thing. This podcast is feeling really self-serving, but the Frost Place chapbook competition is open through January 5th. We think it's one of the most unique prizes in all of chapbooks because not only do you win publication and a $250 prize, you also win a fellowship at the Frost Place Poetry Seminar that Patrick Donnelly runs and a week to live and write in Robert Frost's old farmhouse in Franconia, New Hampshire. I'm not going to promise that the ghost of Bobby Frost will come and give you a tickle while you're there. But I mean, let's be honest. Would you be surprised if he did? (laughs) Keeping with our Halloween theme. Every so often, our listeners send us questions about chapbooks. We feel like it's our duty to answer them. So here's a mailbag. We need like a little theme song for the mailbag. We do. We need like some sort of uh, sound effect that's a mailbag sound effect. I don't even know what that would sound like. Like ASMR of somebody like uh, opening an envelope, maybe? Oh, I like that. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Uh, Accompanied by, uh, by a heavy metal riff. (laughs) or if it's my house it's a dog barking at the mailman (laughs) yeah exactly Ooh, that is a good sound effect all right our first mailbag question comes from abby Kiefer, who writes 
I really like how cohesive chapbooks can be, often because of tight focus on a theme. But what are some other ways you've seen chapbook authors create connections within a collection? Okay, this might sound a little bit like a cop out. But my first response to this question was thinking about how the chapbook as a container maybe makes me feel like these poems are more tightly woven together because there's not as many of them, right? Like which came first? Yeah, I can see that. When I think about fiction chapbooks, certainly a theme is one or a a shared narrative, but sometimes we see a character who pops up and it's not necessarily even, oh, this character is exactly the same character, but rather there's sort of a character archetype who's kind of floating through some of those stories, sometimes in a lead role, sometimes in sort of a background role. This answer may sound a little bit like what's already in the question, but sort of going off what you just said about sort of a a stand-in character that appears in a variety of different ways in a number of different pieces. I like a chapbook that sometimes feels like it's cohering around looking at one particular thing, but each piece is from a different perspective or a different point of view. It kind of takes this one subject matter and really parses it as you go through the chat book. It keeps returning to the same sort of fundamental subject, but comes at it from all these different directions. I I find that really satisfying. When we talked about breaking points, we talked about the way that those stories utilize surprising forms. And I think form can be a way that a chapbook hangs together. We talked a little bit more about that when Taylor Bias was on the show in episode 18 last week. I also think just a consistency of voice. If you've got a really compelling intellect at work, that's often enough for a reader to hang on to and to propel a reader through a chapbook of fiction, of a chapbook of nonfiction, chapbook of poetry, any, any of those can be held together by the way the mind is working. This next question came from Stephanie Lane Sutton about a month and a half ago, and we first want to apologize to her for the long wait, but I think we'll make up for it when we have her on as our guest next week. So Stephanie's question is this. Say you have a full-length collection and a chapbook-length version of that collection and limited money to spend on submission fees. Assuming that both manuscripts are equally polished, which one should you focus on submitting? And does it even make sense to send both out at the same time? You know, I think a lot of that's going to depend on your publishing goals. But as a publisher, here's my suggestion to you. Send out the full-length collection. I'm not sure that there's often a value to having uh, the long version and the short version of the thing. Really, you should have the thing. Whatever its ideal length is, you should have that one thing, and that's what should be going out, at least to my mind, because we want the reading experience to be optimal. We want the reading experience to be the fullest possible version of the author's intention. Yeah, I think part of this question is also in my mind, Say that the chat book got picked up. Would you be willing to pull those pieces from the full length? Would you be willing to let those pieces stand alone as their own individual project? That might lead you to the answer to this question, or why am I sending this out? Why do I want to send it out in two versions? And in a lot of cases, when I send things out for submission, I know I get a sense of momentum when I get picked up, right? When a piece gets picked up to be published, there's a momentum there. And I think sometimes 
when I've sent out my full length uh, at the same time as a chat book, I've been looking for that feeling of momentum, like at least somewhere someone is publishing me. But that could be to the detriment of sort of the larger picture of my project, the larger picture of what I want to do as a writer. And, you know, I think we're responding to this question based on an assumption that you know, the phrasing, a full-length collection and a chapbook-length version of that collection. Sometimes the material in a chapbook can be ordered and presented in such a way that it feels like a completely different reading experience than when we see those same pieces recontextualized in a longer collection. I would actually consider those not to be a shorter and longer version of the same thing, but rather standalone items. And in in that case, it might make sense to send both out. But you have to ask yourself the question, what happens if they're both picked up a week apart? What happens if they're released two months apart? Have you given either of them the chance to live on their own? I would argue probably not. You want to be able to spend some time with the book. And we heard Jason Crawford talk to us about that in episode 17, how difficult it's been to have so many projects come out in a very short space. Abby and Stephanie, thank you so much for your questions. Listeners, send in your questions and we'll try and get them answered in an upcoming podcast episode. Big thanks to all the presses that send us their latest and greatest. We encourage you to reach out if you've got upcoming chat books. We've got links to everything in today's episode in our show notes. And if you like the podcast, be sure to click subscribe so that you can get the episodes as soon as they drop on Thursday mornings. We're on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, you name it. If it's a pod place, we're there. You guys know that every review matters for a new podcast like ours. So if you have a moment, let us know what you think. Rate us five stars and tell your friends. You can find out what we're up to by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Bull City Press or visiting BullCityPress.com. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Ross White. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm at DC Noah. Or you can email us at chatbook at bullcitypress.com. Halloween is coming up, so we want you to stay safe from all the ghoulies and ghosts. Have fun trick-or-treating, everybody. Thanks, everyone. 